Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about how we might be flushing the secret to anti-aging down the toilet, how mushrooms may be talking to each other, and how cyborg cockroaches could save your life one day. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Hey, do you remember when we talked about scientists who created a pill made from poop that can help prevent allergic reactions? Yeah, that's one of the harder stories to forget. Not that I want to forget any of them. Are we talking about poop again today? Yes, but this time researchers found that poop might not only be our solution to allergies, but it might even be the source of the mythical fountain of youth. A recent study found evidence that transferring fecal matter from young mice into old mice can reverse some of the effects of aging in the eyes, brain, and gut. Okay, so let me get this straight. Scientists took poop from one mouse and Mm -hmm. put it into a different mouse. (laughs) How do you go about transferring poop? Okay, to start... Researchers cleared the recipient mouse's gut by giving them an antibiotic cocktail for three days to flush out their system. Then researchers gave them a fecal slurry through a tube down their throat. They created this slurry by mixing fecal pellets from two donor mice. If you could never say fecal slurry again, that would be really great. (laughs) Why did they even start trying this? Well, we've known for a long time that the microbes in our gut are linked to our general health. Most diseases are associated with changes in our gut bacteria, viruses, fungi, and other microbes. But age also changes our gut biome, often with negative effects, including cardiovascular, autoimmune, and metabolic disorders. So a younger gut is often healthier and more resilient than an older gut? That was the thinking. And fecal matter is a good transporter of our gut biome. Fecal matter from healthy young mice, or humans for that matter, is covered in helpful bacteria that are known for promoting good health in both mice and humans. Those bacteria help break down the nutrients from our diet and drastically increase the way we burn fats or metabolize vitamins. But things got really interesting when researchers took fecal matter from the group of older mice and put it into those spry young mice. Did their guts develop new issues? Yes, their gut lining lost strength and allowed bacteria to slip into the blood. This led to inflammation in the brain and eyes. Not only that, the researchers found an increase in proteins that decay the retina of the eyes of young mice after the transplant. Wait, this is awful news. I thought this was a story about the fountain of youth. It is that story. The old mice got a boost of good bacteria in their gut and saw reduction in those age-related issues like chronic inflammation in the brain and eye. Some of the mice even had faster critical thinking skills after the experiment. The poop transfer reversed those effects of aging. Oh, that's incredible. How long did the effects last for? I'm not sure I'd want to do too many of these transplants. Unfortunately, researchers don't have an answer for that yet. But the team is hard at work trying to understand how long these positive effects will last. And there are other questions to ask as well. Like, other than the gut, eyes, and brain, what's the impact of fecal matter transplant on other organs? And also, these are mice. Did the experiments work on humans as well? We started this experiment on mice because mice and humans have similar metabolisms. If you take size and proportion into account, you'll find that mice process food super similarly to us. But researchers warn we still need to do research on elder humans to see how much the benefits transfer to our bodies. But that is already in the works. Construction is underway for a new facility to hold these trials for humans. Sounds like there are still a lot of unknowns. So what can I take away for sure? 
Well, the study concluded that microbes in our gut play a part in regulating some of the effects of aging. That means there's a possibility that gut microbe-based therapies can be created to fight the aging process in the future. I'm not sure I want to be swallowing any uh, fecal slurry anytime <laughs> soon. But the future is bright, even if it comes from where the sun don't shine. Hey, how do you feel about cockroaches? I feel both that they are fascinating and beautiful creatures worthy of our respect and attention as folks interested in science. And also they are really, really gross. <laughs> I think you and I are on the same page. So cool, but gross. Would you still feel like they were gross if I told you that one day a cockroach could save your life? Wait, how could that even happen? Okay, cool, right? So researchers are turning these creepy crawlers into little search-and-rescue cyborg bugs capable of exploring cramped and dangerous areas to help rescue trapped humans. Okay, I'm going to feel bad the next time I fling a roach outside knowing they're on our side now, but I'm still going to fling it outside. How do you train a cockroach? Tiny bits of Twinkie for a job well done? Well, we aren't training them. Researchers are using electronic signals and artificial intelligence to control them. Ah, mind control, of course. How is that possible? <laughs> some of this is actually old technology. Scientists have been working to create robotic insects for quite some time. The first cyber roach came in 1997 when we were able to send electronic signals to cockroach antennae to make them turn left or right. So they're applying some of that to the problem of finding trapped humans in spaces other humans can't reach. So these bugs can help reduce a rescue team's exposure to risk, and they don't have the high battery power demands that tiny robots have. Who sets out to create an army of cockroaches? Is this like an evil genius or something? <laughs> Dr. Sato from the Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, and there's nothing evil about him. Quite the opposite. He's been working on cyber insects for 15 years. So what is the bug of choice these days? The Madagascar hissing cockroaches. For one, they're remarkable survivors. They can handle 10 times the radiation humans can and can live for seven days without their heads. Gross, but impressive. They're also pretty big as far as bugs go, about two and a half inches long. That's like what, the width of my phone? Yeah, just a little smaller probably. And that length is big enough for the tiny backpacks Sato's team created. Tiny backpacks? Okay, maybe this is actually like cute now? <laughs> maybe? I honestly can't say. Anyway, these backpacks have a communication chip, a carbon dioxide sensor, motion sensor, infrared camera, a tiny battery, and a microcomputer that sends electrical signals to the roach's neuromuscular sites to control its movement. Is there someone in a dark room with a little remote controlling a gang of roaches? No, you see, that's a big part of the recent innovation. These roaches are autonomous. Artificial intelligence trained in search and rescue is keyed directly into the camera and controls the bug, sending it towards areas of interest. What would be an example of an area of interest? Well, the researchers see a huge opportunity for these bugs in search and rescue. So like maybe where somebody could be trapped and in need of help. The AI is trained to recognize someone in need of rescue, and when it thinks it has somebody, it automatically signals for help. So, cute search and rescue heroes. I'm actually starting to come around on bugs, Nate. <laughs> Me too. So, are they using these little guys yet? Sort of. They recently ran a trial in a simulated disaster zone. It had concrete blocks in various shapes and sizes spread across a 25-square-meter area. Dispersed within it were humans acting as simulated victims and decoys like heat lamps, laptops, and microwaves. So, obstacles for the test? Yeah, researchers were worried that these signals could confuse some of those sensors. How did it go? How did our little army of six-legged crawling heroes do? Well, the roaches crawled through the rubble using their sensors to look for signs of life, like body heat, movement, and elevated carbon dioxide from breathing. And they recognized a human and alerted outside rescuers correctly 87% of the time. 
hey, that's pretty good. For sure. But of course, you don't want to send a human into a place nobody is. So they want to improve their numbers. They think they can do that by adding more cameras with different angles. Oh, totally. So when will they be crawling into disaster sites? Well, they still need to be refined for outdoor use, you know, outside of trials. But the researchers say they could see them deployed within about five years. It'll take about 500 of them to search an area of two square miles. So the researchers say we will want to make manufacturing and attaching the backpacks much more streamlined if they're really going to be used in the field. Well, the next time I see a roach, before I try and shove it outside, I'll be sure to check for a little backpack first. So, Nate, we've known for a few years that trees in a forest aren't just lonely individuals fighting for their own survival. We know that they share resources and communicate with each other through their roots. Yeah, and it's just wild to think about. All those trees kind of talking to each other, literal whispering woods. Exactly. Well, now it would appear the same is true of mushrooms as well. And if you can believe it, researchers seem to have discovered pieces of the mushroom language. With, with like, words and stuff? No way. I know. Okay, so first it's important to note a couple of things. One is that when I say mushrooms, I really mean fungi. Mushrooms themselves are simply the reproductive parts of fungi, the same as fruit would be to a tree. And second is that fungi have a network of roots called the mycelium, and it's through this network where the organisms may be sending electrical signals to communicate with each other. Electrical signals? Are they shocking each other? It's more the way our body communicates with itself through electrical signals traveling to and from the brain. Oh, so the mushrooms are talking to themselves. That's essentially what's happening. So it would seem that the fungus sends information across the network using a kind of language. Scientists first discovered this fungus language in a recent study that took four species of fungi, the ghost, caterpillar, split gill, and enoki. Fungi always have the coolest names. Yeah. Each of the species had tiny electrodes connected to their hyphae to measure spikes in their electrical activity. All right, now I may be a fungus fanatic, but I'm going to need an explanation for what hyphae are. Sure. So hyphae are the thread-like structures that make up the full network of the mycelium. And sticking with our human analogy, they operate like our own nerve cells and transmit the signals we've been talking about. Got it. Got it. So they got the electrodes on the hyphae looked at the electrical activity, and they found some pretty cool stuff. They would take the spikes in activity and group them by certain factors. What factors? They looked at stuff like how much time passed between the spikes, if there were a lot of spikes, how long the spikes were. Some spikes last up to 21 hours. They also looked at how much energy the spikes produced. Okay, why were they trying to group them? If they saw the same patterns of spikes showing up, they thought of those as the same word. It turns out the mushrooms don't actually use all that many words. Uh, estimates put the fungi vocab at, like, 50 words. I mean, that's pretty good for a mushroom. I know, exactly. And they probably only use 15 to 20 of those actually on a regular basis. Although the ghost and split gill species did show signs of their languages being a little more complex. Oh, wait, the different fungi had different languages? I mean, I guess that makes sense. All right, so what are they actually saying? Unfortunately, it's impossible to tell right now. But we do know stuff like there was more activity when the hyphae of a wood-digesting fungi came into contact with the wood itself. This would lead you to believe that those signals were somehow about food. Some also think the signals might be about injury or even just making sure the fungi is checking up on itself. Okay, yeah, that all makes sense. They're probably not going to be talking about the afterlife or episodes of Mythbusters. Were there ways the signals resembled human language? There was one pretty interesting similarity, the length of words. 
the spikes would cluster almost like letters forming words. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's a good way to think about it. And the scientists said the average fungal word length of all the words they saw was about 5.97. And this falls perfectly in the ranges of human word lengths, with English being 4.8 letters, Russian is 6, Greek is 4.45, etc., etc. Well, at least we have something in common. And even that's still a maybe. There's a lot of scientists who think interpreting the electrical signals as an actual language might be a bit overboard. Well, it sounds like we can clearly see the electrical spikes. So what else would they be if they're not a type of language? It's possible that the signals are just the nutrient pulses that have been seen in other fungi species or something else entirely. Interesting. It feels a little early to tell. Most of them would agree with you there. It's a very new field of study. And we still barely know anything about the languages of animals like cats and dogs, and we've studied them for decades. Next up is studying more species, checking for similarities and differences, and seeing if they can't dig into the meaning behind the signals, whatever they are. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. The secret to fighting some of the worst effects of aging may be in our poop. While getting the benefits might involve someday drinking a fecal slurry, researchers are hoping that borrowing the gut biome of younger people could help us avoid the inflammation and chronic illness associated with aging. Mushrooms may be using electrical signals to create their own language with up to 50 words in their vocabulary. The science behind it is still very new, and these signals could also simply be common occurrences like a nutrient pulse. But it's nevertheless an exciting development in our understanding of the ways other species communicate. Researchers have learned how to create autonomous search-and-rescue robots out of an unlikely source, cockroaches. These backpack-wearing bugs are controlled by artificial intelligence and can find trapped humans and alert rescue teams. They could help rescue missions from putting more human lives at risk. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Our Discovery executive producer is Christina Bavetta. Our Discovery coordinating producer is Krishna San Nicholas. This show is hosted by us, Callie Gade and Nate Bonham. Our showrunner is Matt Mayer. Our writers are James Lynch and Jordan Trout. Our researcher is Thomas Martin Messersmith. Sound design, audio engineering, and editing by Nick Carissimi. I'm Callie Gade. And I'm Nate Bonham. We'll see you next week. <laughs>